0: Hey there, welcome to this excellent church. We believe the word of God is the charter of our lives and God's way to reshape values and reconcile men to himself. We hope this message brings edification, exhortation, and comfort. Be blessed.
1: Praise God. So, um, we had a very interesting conversation last week, and we're going to finish it today. Um, we're going to talk about acceptable differences. And we are... Uh, teaching from, you know, Paul's doctrine on the subject matter. Paul calls it dis- disputable matters. That means there are matters that we cannot we cannot there are some matters that don't have a correct answer to except people should do what their conscience allows them to do. They are setting of those matters and it's important for us as Christians to know which is which it's important for us Christians to know which is which because it is of paramount value um, importance to the Christian work and to our doctrines and our conduct that we know the matters that are disputable so that we do not quibble and cause unnecessary sectarianism or dissension in the body of Christ but at the same time that the things that are necessary for God's will for us we do not accept errors concerning them as normal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's very, very important. The truth is that if we try to rediscover what the early church was like, what we would find is something very interesting. You would have found a church where there were certain differences that people had and it was, you know, they tried to hold it together. Right from time, that instinct to fight over differences of opinion has always been there. That instinct has always been there, right? It has always been there. But one of the things that you'll see is because of the fact that they were more aware of their common enemy and the fact that Jesus had just risen from the dead and, you know, things were still hot. They they, they somehow were more aware of the things that they could allow as acceptable differences. Over time, as Christianity became more settled and became more, um, you know... Confidence, so to speak, and became more, you know, <laughs> how, how What is the word is the word I'm looking for. Over the time, as Christianity became more settled and confident and, you know, comfortable, um, our differences of opinion on disputable matters, when we didn't have an outside enemy again, we began to look for enemies within. And by looking for enemies within, we began to pick on certain differences of opinion, some legitimate and some illegitimate. Some were legitimate and some were illegitimate and so we got to make sectors, sector, we began to become, you know, have friends of opinion over stuff. So, the, the human instincts, which Christians have not been free from until the redemption of our bodies, to so quickly look for a tribe, when you are among a group of people, that instinct to want to split up into tribes, that tribal instinct is, has always been there and... It's the reason why in the body of Christ today, there are actually certain things that are just a matter of articulation. Um, there are certain doctrines that are actually thinking about it. They are actually, this person said the cup is half full. This person said the cup is half empty. So no, you must say it as the cup is half full. Because if you are not saying that the cup is half full, what you are saying is that you are not appreciating that the cup is meant to be full normally. So for you to not say it is half, for you to say it is half empty, is to say that the purpose of the cup is to be empty, and so that's why you cannot say it like that. You should say it is half full. As I will say, no, you should actually say it's half empty because if not for God, this cup should be empty. So when you have some water inside, it should not make you feel like as if there's water inside. When you should say it's half. This struck me when I was listening to one podcast that this boy was playing the other day, and um, yeah, these guys, the Catholic guys, were talking about the Reformation. They're talking about perseverance of the saints and everything. Like so, uh, it's a doctrine that has never been in the church. they were saying, "Okay, yeah, yeah, let's hear uh, the elite church has no." Yeah, okay, okay. So how did they say it? And at the end of the day, he just said what well, we have been saying, but he now added, um, "How did how did he say it?" He now said. um, um, Initial salvation and find out, oh God, you just said what we said. You just added English to it. So you will now cause fight. Hallelujah. So, yeah, these things are actually important for us to know what is an acceptable difference and what is not. So, and we began last week by talking about um, Paul gives us a hint at certain things that certain qualities of these acceptable differences. And we said that there are usually no matters of the kingdom, so there are no matters that affect salvation or understanding of salvation, right? You know, um, I, saw it, I saw it two days ago. That was very, very interesting. Very, very nice. And I like the way, um, you know, the guy put it. I was talking about the, you know, the issue of the Trinity and all that. The guy was talking about how that for people that are laymen, people that are not theologians, the best way to describe the Trinity to people is to describe what it solves. Instead of trying to describe and going to the ontological because actually, to properly talk about the Trinity, it requires some level of philosophical sophistication. I'm not going to lie; it was when I started reading Athanasius that I began to actually have some sophisticated way of explaining the Trinity. So, I mean, if you are not like Athanasius, that is, yeah, you know, these guys, you know, you know, the bar for being a pastor has really dropped since the church began. Right? Back in the day, to be a pastor, you must know book. You must sabi to a certain level, like the apostles. You first do three years with Jesus. The one that will add, that will allow, which is Paul, will do sabi or gaffarisi. So it's not that you're not going to be saying, you just be, you know, saying things anyhow. There's a level of competence actually. That's why Paul was telling Timothy that he started to show himself approved. The workman did not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Actually, you know, you say Paul will say. Look, look, look for elders men that are apt to teach. So in the early church, it was actually a thing. Competence. Competence was actually one of the things that you used to say, in man, it's not just that I have a passion for God. It's not just that you love preaching the gospel. There's a certain level of competence that is required to actually teach God's word. Right? So that's why teaching some of these things requires a lot of competence. But here I was now saying that, see, talk about what the Trinity solves. And that's what we were talking about last week with respect to modalism and Arianism is that those things do injury to our salvation. How do we know that it was God that actually died for our sins? That it was an eternal being that died for our sins? It's because God the Father was in heaven and God the Son was on the cross. Because if the, thing, the person that was on the cross was not really God, or was a projection, do you understand that? It was a projection then that means God did not really die for our sins. And our infinite sins were not taken away. Do you understand that? It does injure to our salvation. If you say it's Arianism and is a creature that is limited, though powerful a limited entity cannot carry infinite sins. A limited entity that has a beginning and will end cannot solve death because he himself is going to die. Do you understand that? Only the person that cannot die can kill death. Because if you can die and you face death, what thing will happens to you? Go collect. So there will be no um, Christus victor after you have died. So the Christus victor must be someone that cannot die without beginning of days and without end of days. Hallelujah. Hey, God. Ha. Praise God. So the doctrine of Trinity is unnegotiable. How do we know that God is with us? And yet, God is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercessions for us. It's because God the Holy Spirit is in us. And yet, God is bridging the gap of our deficiencies by staying in the right hand of the Father. So we cannot have these three persons being one person, but showing up in three different places. It cannot work. And one of them cannot be a creature that can die. And one of them cannot be a mere force. There have to be three persons that are God, and there's only one God. That is the Trinity. Do you mean now. So that's why modalism is an, I mean this is an unacceptable difference. So yes, it's an unacceptable difference. it's unacceptable. Iranism is unacceptable. so it matters. So that's why we said the first quality of those doctrines are doctrines that don't end up when you finish it to the end, end up destroying our salvation and what God has done or does injury to the doctrine of God as revealed in the scriptures. The second thing we said was that those things that forcing people to act contrary to them or to their beliefs on those matters will end up injuring their faith. There are some matters that if you disobey them those are the things that will injure your faith. There are some matters that if you disobey, you know there are some matters that if you disobey them you are doing injury to your faith. For example, if you tell someone that God in the Old Testament was not really God. It was an angel. And God does not really care about what happens to you. You are going to do injury to the person's faith. Why? Because the person began to ask themselves, why do I pray? If God is not in control of my life, why am I praying? And that's the same thing with fatalism and hyper-Calvinism. If you tell somebody that you don't matter in the scheme of things, God is just controlling everybody and your outcomes are the same, what's the point of praying? If I'm in control of everything, what's the point of praying to God? But if God is in control of everything and I have no say, what is the point of praying to God? That's why it's important. Do you understand? Open theism or deism and hyper Calvinism or fatalism are unacceptable. I'm sorry. Let's just chop that one. Let's chop that for that in the pocket. They are unacceptable because they do injury to your faith if you don't believe them. On the contrary, now on the other side for acceptable difference, if a person believes. That I want to baptize my child because I believe my child is coming into the family of God. Do you understand that? Another person says no, I'd rather do it anointing uh, because I want the child to actually confess it first. As long as the first person is not saying whether this child believes or not, it doesn't have to believe. It's fine. I'm not going to preach just, just because I've dipped inside water now, you are good. Then there's no problem. Because to believe that this my child must be brought into the family, I want. You know, to show that this person is a, is a member of this family of the, the, the family of God, and we're baptizing you with the sacraments that we have. Therefore, you're a child of God, and we'll teach you God's word. And when you grow up, you must believe the gospel. And then when you grow up, you go through a catechism and the believers' foundation. Okay. And that person says, "I'll do with anointing oil. I'll pray, and I'll commit this child's life into God's hands." Fine. In fact, both of them faith is now even stronger by believing those things. And so, if they go against those things, it's not doing any injury. Was one that really believes that I want to baptize my child, and I say you must not baptize. You cannot. Baptize. You will not be looking at your child every day and saying, ah, God, I don't baptize this child." I'll baptize myself in the house. Hallelujah! So, Church out together, right? So, right. So those are then we had four more examples. Um, Brocaide said matters that the holy that the apostles were not clear about. So the apostles left us. On some matters, not to you know talk too deeply about, or they didn't give a clear stance on something, and we cannot logically infer from the rest of the scriptures that they have a position on this particular thing, then we should not also be loud or make a camp based on those things. If the apostles did not say something, the prophets and the, if the Lord and the prophets did not say something, and we cannot logically infer a position based on what they have said, even if they don't say it directly, right? Then we ought not to be loud on it also. Not, we ought not to say what they didn't see and now make an issue out of it. One of the ones that we'll talk about you know, earlier, that we'll talk about later today, is one of the ones that we're talking about in the house some, some weeks ago with, um, with some gentlemen and my wife, right? We talk about it sometimes. It was, if those people didn't say it, then you have no right to say it. Don't make an issue out of what the apostles did not talk about. The apostles knew it was an issue they were correcting the church and they didn't talk about it. So why are you not making an issue out of it? Right, so, that was one. Um, the, um, another one was the fact that, um, was matter of culture, right? The brother OJ talked about matters that are matter of culture. So, is a, these are purely subjective matters that don't have any matter to the gospel, but are only different from place to place because of the kind of culture that people have. So, you cannot tell people that they should trade with their culture that doesn't contradict what the apostles have taught, right? So, matters of culture are acceptable differences. If in a culture they prostrate to their elders and in another culture they shake their elders. You don't come to church and say the Bible said show honor to your elders. If you're not prostrating you're going to hell. In our culture we wear suits. Suit is a sign that you're a serious person. In our culture we wear agbada. 200 years in another culture in certain places this is the church of Christ we wear semi-casual, we wear casual because we are free. That's a matter of culture. It shouldn't be an issue. So, if you go to a church where people are wearing casual to church and their children are going to things properly, you should not start doing like this. So, if you don't wear trousers, if, if you wear jeans, your church is not serious. Don't <laughs> wear anyway, that in the mountain. Right? So, if you wear jeans, you are not serious. Come, we wear jeans to church. Calm down. You know, matters of culture. Yes, someone talked about matters of technology. That means, Things that arose later on because of technology. So, um, a serious pastor will not use iPad. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. A serious pastor must use Bible. Unnecessary. It's an acceptable difference. If one pastor is using an iPad, and another pastor is using Bible. It's not an issue. Right? So, um, those are matters of technology. Um, then the last one was matters of description. So, when the Bible describes something, but unnecessarily prescribes it. The Bible doesn't prescribe it. Or just describes an event, right? Just describes that something happens, right? Um, and that description is not like something supposed to be an example to us, you know, that kind of thing. It should be an acceptable difference, right? Hmm. I'm going to talk about one as because of this. That, and so let me say this going forward, as we continue to discuss, is that see, if you believe in solar scriptura, if we, sola scriptura, we're Bible-centered church, we believe God's word is primary and we believe in other things that God has given us to help us understand his word, we believe in God's word primarily. It means that you must also submit to God's word. So that means even you must let go of your biases. If you think and assume that every time you speak, the Bible confirms your position, you are not so that scripture. If the Bible is always confirming your own position, you are not so that scripture. You don't believe in the Bible. My parrot is, but you don't really mean it. It is not possible that the Bible is always confirming you're always right. It's a lie. So that means that as we go forward, you should expect, and we look at God's word as we go forward, you should expect that there are certain things that you believe should be unacceptable differences. And when you look into God's word, you have to submit. And so all the people that you have been doing your nose at and looking at with content, you would have to correct your ways. Are we together? And there are some things that are big deals that are unacceptable difference. But because your guys believe it, you don't want to let it go. See, don't worry, we are still Christians. You are not Christians. You have to let it go. Are we together? So we're going to discuss. It's a scholarship service. I'm not going to talk down at you. We're going to discuss... Together. So, does anybody remember the last example I gave last week? Let's get the mics. What was the last example I gave? Did I talk about Martianism? Yeah? And we said, is that acceptable or unacceptable difference? Okay, please give people the mic so that... Did we talk about... Okay, let's, let's continue from here. If a person rejects the sacraments, the sacraments being water, baptism, and... Communion. If you are if you are Protestant, it's called communion. If you are Orthodox, we call it Eucharist. For all join. If a person believes that a Christian should not do it or a Christian does not need to do it, is it an acceptable unacceptable difference? Think about it very well. I want to hear your thoughts.
2: <laughs> unacceptable difference. What? <But> Why? <laughs> Unacceptable difference. Why? why? Why do you think so? First things first, I think I even tweeted it. Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. Mm. You now come and say, uh, Communion is supposed to be communion of believers. Who are you? Um, it's, it's something that was, and I, I think Paul even talked about it in 1 Corinthians also. It, it, it wasn't like he was suggesting that you don't do this. He was telling you how to approach the table. So I mean, it's like when Jesus said, "When you fast," it wasn't saying, "Oh," it wasn't giving a treatise on fasting. It was pretty much expecting you to know that you should fast. The same thing with um, communion. Uh, baptism is baptism is where it can get a bit tricky. But I think that baptism should be an acceptable difference too because. Um, even when Paul was saying um, Jesus didn't call me to baptize, he still said that he baptized some people. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how um you are making a people are making, you are trying to make a thing out of this. This yeah. is not the primary focus of what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you should not baptize. I'm saying that we should not now build camps. But then again, then again, I think I'm to myself. Wait. No, you're not. Go ahead. Okay, okay. Ahead. Um so, <laughs> I'm, st- I'm, still on, I'm still on point, have you? Um, so, it's, it's um, and Jesus was baptized, and he said he did it to fulfill all righteousness. Um, if Jesus can humble himself to do this, you cannot be more humble than Jesus Christ, yeah. right? I think Paul was even baptized also. Everybody, everybody, I don't know. Everybody, there was no such thing as an unbaptized know, exactly, Christian in the Bible. Exactly that's like
1: unbaptized, so, I mean, except when he's dying on the cross.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: the, the example people <laughs> usually give is the thief on the cross. Mm. And I, my response to that is, you can't use the exception. You, the, were they expecting the guy to come home from the cross, right? <laughs> to come and be baptized and then go back and then go to paradise? <laughs> of course not. Yeah. So um, that that was an exception. So I mean, conclusion is unacceptable difference. Please. Any other thoughts? Any other Let's thoughts? Let's not play with the Bible.
4: It's, it's a question. If we put it to the test, the first test. Yeah. Right. Um, baptism, communion. Right. Those two things. If somebody doesn't. It's a question: If someone doesn't believe in it, or if someone doesn't do it, does that if mean? If one person believes in it, one person does not believe. Doesn't in believe it, in yeah. it, right? And when you say they don't believe in it, they don't believe that what that is what saves the person because that's the other. They believe is not necessary. It's not necessary. You be put to the first test that we said. Is that does that mean they are not like? Is that um, what was the first question? Let me read it out because we're asking it as question. Um, can it affect the kingdom of God? That first
1: does it do? Yes. That. That. that mean, can it affect the matter of the gospel? Of the gospel. So I. Yes. Th- I think it can because it boils down to, and there's a, there's other things that I'll talk about that also come, come up here. It boils down to um, reverence for the words of the Lord.
4: Can that be a reach? No, it's not. Is it possible that people have reverence for the Lord, for the, for the word of God, but it's just unlikely. maybe do not believe that it's. Since it doesn't save them.
1: It's right. unlikely. We are saved by... Not necessary. That means we can disobey the command. Because it boils down to Jesus said it. But I'll use every trick in the, in the book to claim that somehow Jesus didn't really mean to say it. Now, that kind of value system and hermeneutic you mean, you usually ripples by. into other things. So, you'll find that people that have low view of the sacraments are usually people that generally fall into things like they believe in yeah. the errancy of the scripture. They're the ones that will say things like the Moses, Elijah did not see well. Because once there is a view of Jesus and the word of God, that once it just drops in your mind. In your mind, when you can just feel like I know better. Once that happens, it's just a highway. So for example, look at what Paul puts in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, what I received, I'm also committing to you. That the night when he died and was betrayed, he took the bread and did. The sinner says, do this in remembrance of me. In another place, Paul says that when we take the communion, when we take his cup, we are participating in his blood. When we are taking his bread, we are participating in his body. It's only equivocal. Now, a person looks at that and now says, ee! "Yeah, it's, 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 yeah it's, it does injure. It does injure.
3: Yeah." Okay. Um, another thing is, another reason why it's an unacceptable difference is that in the, I'm like this, in the algorithm of how we get saved, how that step one, I repent, step two, I believe, step three, I am saved. Um, if you actually look at the Bible, that second step of faith, if you break it down, is actually faith and baptism. So, for example, in Mark 16, the Bible says that whosoever believes and is, is baptized. baptized. So, there is that. In Acts chapter 2, when, Paul, um, when Peter was preaching, he said that's repent and be baptized, right? Um, in Acts, I can't remember now, when Paul, when Ananias, Ananias um, visited Paul, he said, well, I've come to pray for you and, so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of that, and he told him to get up and be baptized. So, because Paul had not come to faith, so everywhere, literally everywhere, you see that faith is accompanied by baptism everywhere. And the truth is that the fact that the fact that we have to go extra length to deny baptism shows that it's that a problem. Itself, yes, yeah. that's number one, and number two is that if we. If we actually sit down and begin to like think about it and read the Bible and all of that, you'll be surprised at, at, at how overwhelming baptism is a part of that algorithm that we just simply simplified to repent, believe, be saved. Whereas the Bible actually says, repent, believe, and be baptized, baptized yeah. be saved. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's an unacceptable difference.
1: Yeah. It's very, very important because now this is another thing. Let me just add a little this to that because it's very, very powerful is that so, when God tells you to do something, right, and it's very weird because people who are word of faith, background, charismatic, should really be able to understand this, that when God commands you to do something, in the command there is power. People should, it's very weird that people like us, that the people that I used to say don't even realize that, that when God will say things like tell, you know, Elijah, Elijah would tell him go and bath, go and bath in the water, and you'll come out and be cleaned. Is it that they could not heal him without washing him in water? Hey that in the obedience, so when Jesus says, go ye therefore into the world, preach the gospel, um, go, um, go into the world, um, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father of so that means that Jesus, God is telling us that, I'm asking you to baptize. It's not a matter of how you feel, it's your post-enlightenment mentality of what does the water actually do. That's not a problem. What matters is that Jesus said baptizing them in the name of the Father of the Holy Spirit and Peter now tells us that this is the, this is the baptism that's not just the you know, cleansing of water for your body, but it's the pledge of a new conscience you know, it's a pledge of a clear conscience also God. That means that when God says you should do that thing, obeying and doing it, right, is God using it for something in your life. So that's why people can have powerful experiences such that, now this is the practical part of it, whereby people, people know that I'm now a child of God. I'm going to be baptized. And after I'm baptized, I will take a new name. During that period, God using it as a means of grace of sanctification. That makes them realize that I've left my life. I'm not going back to a new life, that old life again. Because I'm not living a new life. Guess what? If God uses something as a means of sanctification, you know, we well, one step away from baptismal regeneration. Do you understand that? Because if God uses it to awaken you to righteousness, to know that I am not going back to this, what is regeneration? It's not when God makes your heart tender towards Him. Do you understand where the scholastics are coming from now? When they're talking about how baptism itself saves you. This is what they mean. That every time God uses something to hold you in this world, every time God uses something to minister to you, does, is it the Bible that saves you? But is it not the Word of God that saves you? Exactly. Whenever God uses something to touch your heart and minister satisfaction to your heart, God is using that thing. So when God now says, do this, it's not that he, said, he knows what he's doing now. So, to now disobey, and that is the reason why all the arguments to disobey that command are always very dangerous and alarming. Another alarming one is that church was infantile. We know better. Ah, You've heard it before. He said that church, he said they, they, they didn't know better. Paul did not know better. Peter did not know better. All those people were, the church was in his. Infant still was a neonatal still. That's what the person said, t- tweeted at me. You see, the church was in his neonatal phase, but we know better now. You see, that's why they were still arguing about whether she should preach to the gentiles. Ah, Hallelujah! Brush, you want to say something else? Okay, please talk then. Yeah, even <coughs> <Thank you>, everybody.
5: <coughs> so um, on this matter, uh, Wednesday when was when I was going to church. Um, I think. I think a hard crime missionary just posted, you know, a group of members who accepted to be baptized. And they showed the lady people that water and how she was actually really weeping as she was being baptized. I remember I think it was in the house. So usually when I just opened, I think it was book of acts two months ago. I think I mentioned it to Pissam as well, two months ago. So I was reading book of Acts by myself, right? And, and you know that we used to have that argument on semantics about you know, what baptism really is. That baptism is being baptized into the name of Christ. Okay. Let's hold it up as if it's something to actually be considered, but because it's really, it really isn't. Around God, so I think it was around from Acts sixteen upwards. You know, first we get Cornelius's household, we get Cornelius' household, but then by the time you get to the jailer, that was the one that hit me like a ton of bricks. In that, the jail was open. Paul preached to them. You said, "No, no, we're still here." Paul preached to them. They believed. They now took Paul and Silas to their house. After cleaning their wounds, they're not baptized. So I'm like, since this one doesn't follow the normal sequence, the argument cannot follow. here, Because they still took them away and they still saw that it was needful to baptize. So when I came up with an argument, I think it was a time, he was saying that, okay, explain to us the efficacy of baptism. And then I brought that picture that I was like, bro, if God tells you to do something,
1: And does not explain the efficacy to you, it makes no difference. That's that's an atheist argument.
5: Rough, makes
1: no difference. That's an that's an atheist argument. That's why you have to be careful, those kind of arguments. what what, tell me what I can physically see is what baptism is doing to me. That's such an atheist argument. Then we should use that for the church. Since we are dying that Jesus is inside of us, why are we going to church? Do you understand that? Tell me what church is doing in your life. Do you understand? So, um, um, what's your own name? Please give it to me
3: yeah i also just wanted to add this for the sake of people who have the question of you know when we say that baptism saves and we say but it not the blood of jesus that cleanses us from all sins um based on the algorithm illustration i did truly it is the blood of jesus that cleanses us from all sins truly truly it's the blood of jesus that saves us but when we really think about this when we talk about faith we say that we are saved by what faith by faith right and how do we express this faith?
1: Yeah,
3: by like baptism. Yeah. So when the Bible says that baptism saves, it is basically saying that faith, faith saves. Faith saves,
1: yeah. That's what you it get. Is. So so we are I the one on only... faith from baptism.
3: Yes, we keep on faith from baptism. baptism, and that's where the problem is. When we believe, we are baptized. Yeah. Faith. We are saved through faith alone. Yeah. Faith alone means that we. Are baptized. Yeah. Mm, he, um, The Ethiopian eunuch. As Brother James. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Ethiopian eunuch, um, when he was with Philip, the what he told him was that Ah, now that I've believed, though, what is stopping me from being baptized? Mm-hmm. Because if I believe, I'm going to enter that water. Exactly. That is yeah, how it like works. Existing.
1: He must die the way Jesus died. Yes. And he must come out to way Jesus came out. Hallelujah. Okay, so I think we've done that a lot, right? So it's an unacceptable difference. So that's why we can't be in the same church, right? If a person doesn't believe in baptism, we can't be in the same church, right? So okay, so let's ask another one. If a person affirms open theism, open theism means God is not in control. We are in control. shaking. As you've heard it before, you just not know what I'm talking about. So it comes across in doctrines like this. Um, the prophecy did not fulfill because man did not do what he was going to do. So it sounds benign on the surface but when you now begin to investigate people begin to say things like if a man does not do something, God will not do it. Now, this one is particularly very tricky because as we go on you understand why it is particularly tricky and I'm saying that being very self-aware because it goes down to the deduction of providence and articulation. Because, you know, let me not get of myself. So, if a person believes that God is not really in control, that there are some things that if man is not involved, God cannot move. Do you think that's an acceptable and unacceptable difference? Think about it very well. Please give KG. Your voice is loud without mic. It must be loud on the mic. (laughs)
6: Um, I think that that school of thought reduces... God and elevates man. I think that the counter argument can now be along the lines of how you answered it in wit and tense, the freedom of man and man's agency. Because then again, if you now say that man is just like a zombie that God is controlling, then is God really God? Is man really free? However, I think that if you say that God is not in control. Then God is not sovereign and God is not deserving to be worshipped or glorified. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now,
1: how do you know that the person is not just saying when God does something, he has chosen to use man? And so if a man is not doing something, means... How do I say this? What I'm saying is this. How do you know that the person is not just an incompetent person when pressed, would affirm that God actually uses man, but God is in control? How do you know?
2: Um, I think... just you guys understand what I just said now? Yeah. Okay. I think it's how they, like like Shua fully said, I think is how they view the role of man in God's sovereignty um, and how they view God's sovereignty itself. Um, because... Um, it can it can be an articulation problem, too. Yeah. It can be an articulation problem, too. But it's when you begin to press and press and press that you now begin to hear maybe something like, um, the thing didn't happen. Um, something Things don't happen because God said it. Things happen because men prayed it down or something like that, right? Um, and you begin to wonder, do you really believe God is all-powerful? Or do you believe God is all-powerful but the clause is that he needs man to be able to do the all powerful things that he needs to do. Then you are saying that man is co powerful with God, or you begin or you say things like, um, God has the power, man has the license, God cannot do anything on earth without. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that one
7: before. That was a powerful one. <laughs>
2: eh. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's the one that was a proponent of. Interesting, that.
1: I never knew that one, I've never yeah, heard it yeah, before. Yeah, yeah.
2: You... God has the power, man has the license. Yeah, God has Shandler. the power, man has the license. That hey. God can't do anything on earth without man's approval. So, and that is yeah, where that prayer way. comes in, That's where right? Prayer so you are praying so that you can allow God to come in and do things. Meanwhile, the Bible says God is God is in the heavens; He does what He pleases. Um, why do the heathen rage? Um, God laughs and all that. So, in the end, is how you 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 have to press to see how they. View man, man's power, quote unquote, and how they view God's sovereignty as a concept. Okay, that's when you. Begin. Thank
1: you very much. Because let me now say something, guys, now add something to it. What other to actually see on this one is that on this matter, when someone says it, I think you should be patient. There are some matters that, unacceptable difference is obvious. I'm trying to add a little bit of nuance to the conversation now. I'm trying to say that I think that there are some matters that when someone says it, we should give the benefit of the doubt that the person does not really understand the implication of what they are saying, and not be in a hurry to judge it as whether acceptable or unacceptable yet. And we should defer that judgment until we have thoroughly spoken with the person and the person is affirming, knowing the implications, open season. Because, you know, thinking about it, I feel that there are some matters that, acceptable differences and unacceptable differences. I think there's a, there should be third category. Deferred judgment. I don't know what do you guys think. What do you guys think? Don't mean you guys know that me. So, what do you guys think?
2: Okay. What do, you think? What do you think? I think I think it also depends on the person. Mm, that's another. Angle. If it is a pastor, that means you have access. Se- I, I strongly believe oh, and mm. for take for uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. I strongly believe that. If the person is a pastor leading the congregation, especially in this country, right? Mm. And is maybe in the um late mid mid-mid mid-30s to late 40s category, you have access to materials. You have read. Me, I'm me, mean, I'm taking the stance that they have read and they have rejected things. Because you cannot take because I mean, I know Pastor I'm a Pastor. You have conversations with your pastor friends, and yeah. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <pardon. laughs> and you guys will contend on doctrine and see the implication, and still go away with your positions, right? Some positions might change, some positions might remain the same. So, if someone is saying, if someone is that category, and is talking, to, and the congregation is largely a congregation of young people, and you are saying something like, "God, these things don't happen. <laughs> things don't happen on earth <laughs> because <laughs> God <laughs> said it. It's because man prayed it down." Ah. Yeah, or the, someone. Or I mean, someone judgment is the is the is the best way to go initially, but ah, or more. You have to press his neck. yeah, yeah, because because I mean, there's one of there's one of. I mean, having
1: a follower, of, having hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, over right, What I'm saying. Let me do it. Say, I want you to know, God cannot do anything except you allow Him. He can do nothing except you allow him. Please, leave me alone.
0: <laughs>
1: when someone says that to hundreds of thousands of people, ha, I don't, actually, I don't, you know, that one is not giving the fair judgment to, I think that's a matter. Maybe you not call out the person, right? But, like, make it clear that you can't say this idea to God's people. You can't. Yeah, okay, you go ahead.
6: Okay, sorry. Um, So um, I think that another implication of this um, matter that if the person is being honest, is that first of all, it dissociates God from creation in the sense that then we're just all these people that like, okay, God made the earth and he left it. The second thing is that it can also lead to the error of just using God as your errand boy. So I want this now, give me now. So yeah, God's it does
1: injury. Open season actually does injury. There's no
6: And then finally, the the yardstick that Pastor IJ is always using. In the matter of salvation, I think that if you believe this well, if you follow it to the end, then that means man can be saved by himself because he doesn't oh. need the spirit of God to believe. And, interesting. Let's I that right again. Sorry. Interesting. And then also legalism in the sense that if you don't need God, uh, legalism then ten, you can yeah. just be yeah. righteous on your own and you don't need yeah. God to be saved or His spirit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's very interesting. Open theism actually does injury. If a person affirms it, like not articulation problem, the person affirms it, ah, we can't be in the same church. We can't be in the same church. Any other thoughts, please?
0: Okay, yes, everything you said actually is part of what I wanted to say. But I think we say something in this church that doctrines have consequences. And this does... You say what? We, doctrines have consequences. Yes, please. And this does considerable harm to the doctrine of God. So yeah. I think this is, it should not be a, a yeah. middle ground. I It should be unacceptable completely. But I yeah. agree. I
8: agree. Any other thoughts? Let's move on. So um, let me speak for my charismatic brothers. That if you if unconsciously if you affirm open theism, you're not charismatic. So, because charismatic, if you hold the doctrine well, if you're charismatic, you hold on to God's sovereignty because you are going out, for example, you are going to pray for someone, you are trusting that God will heal the person, oh. not that you are saying, Okay. And yeah. if, for example, I, 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 I use the example, I think I was speaking to someone recently, like person, if you were kidnapped and you pray that you should be delivered. <laughs> When you say you are the one that mm. changed the will of the man mm. to free you mm. if you are freed mm. eventually so as it, it does doctrine to the yes absolutely open theism
1: ultimately does injury to even the doctrine of prayer and by extension doctrine, being a charismatic If a charismatic like us that we are optimistic about god acting now we be, we have to believe that god is in control eh <laughs> that one is true that one is true it's true, sir. It's true. You are right. Yeah, they pray to themselves. You are correct. Yeah. It's, 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 it's insane. Let's just, let's, just, let's just leave that. Let's just leave that. Let's just leave that.
4: Okay, so I have questions. And just for clarity's sake, when people see me asking all these questions, those that know me know me. It's not that. (laughs) It's just an invitation to prod deeper. And I'm doing angels' advocates, not devils. I will not be devils' advocates. So, but start the example you used when we we were talking about um, Trinity, right? To say, not the what, but how, right? most times when you look at OpenTism, I think, I, mean, I like to find out where these things come from. It's an attempt to answer Providence. the question, right, to say, whose fault? Or let me put it this way, it's an attempt to answer the question with an easy answer. And so we, we also need to be aware of that, to say, yeah. there might be the intention, um, the, the right intention, doesn't mean the conclusion was correct. So for example, think of the time of World War II, and the kinds of horrors that went through that particular point in time. And you're trying to answer the question of a loving God versus real life horrors that people went through. And you're still trying to explain that people will be judged. And then people will ask you, why should they be judged if this was 100% the will of God? So it's in that... Is in trying to navigate these things that people now begin to I agree. enter all those things. So we have to have a ready answer as well, um, bearing in mind the implications of why people might want to subscribe to yeah. things like this. Yeah. So that's
1: why um, that's why I said that for people who are laymen, we should defer judgments, right? So we should defer judgment. But that's that, there's a category of people that will say things like, um, "And as died." Because Peter killed them. It's not God. That's okay. Can, can God's power be used? Whose power did he use to kill them? God's power. Can God's power be used to do something that God does not want? Yes. That is not the fair judgment. That one is not the fair judgment. Someone says, don't pray to heaven. Pray towards yourself because your Holy, Spirit and, the Holy and the Spirit and your Spirit and the Holy Spirit are mixed like cake. And therefore, the power is inside of you. It is your voice and your power. You cannot defend judgment on that kind of thing. We cannot, we cannot worship together. For the God we're even worshiping is not really the same. Me, I'm singing hymns, I'm saying God. There's no like unto you. I know that you can serve me. Person is lifting your hands and saying, ha ha. ha. Now me, bros. So all right, so um, Dr. Femi asked a question on the group, and he said, What if a person has been innocently indoctrinated and the person is defending it because my papa said so? So that's where compassion comes in, right? That's where compassion comes in, right? So it's an unacceptable difference, but the truth is that the fact that something is an unacceptable difference does not mean you're not trying to win the person over, right? We're talking about the things that you know that you don't need to win the person over by force. When we see an unacceptable difference, the idea should be to try to win the person over to, do you understand, head? <laughs> if someone... If, if we have an acceptable difference with some or someone else, you don't have to win the person over. But a person has an unacceptable difference that is contrary to the word of God. It is our job to win the person over. So a person say, saying, my papa taught me and everything. You have to help the person understand why his papa is, is, um, is a false teacher and what the word of God says. So that's just it. So, yeah. So, okay, what if a person implies or teaches essentially what sh- sounds like anti-Nominianism. So what anti-Nominianism is, is the belief that um, sin does not really have any consequences anymore. So it's a belief that grace has covered sin and sin does not really have any consequences anymore. There's no more judgment for sin. S- that sin is not evil, so to speak. That sin is no more evil, you know. So, and the way it manifests is that someone will not come out right out and say it, it will be packaged in all kinds of pious nonsense like sin is dead, the grace of God has taken over everything. If a person says something like, you don't need to confess your sins, confess your righteousness, right? Don't confess your sins, confess your righteousness. Repentance is not change of behavior, repentance is change of hearts. Then you don't even, this one is even shocking what I heard was, is that repentance is in the heart so repentance is not change your behavior so to be saved you don't really need to change your behavior you just need to change your heart because you believe faith and repent so you change in your heart and all that and so repentance is something like it's something like it comes in all kinds of weird funny ways it's something like there's a dead rat in your room and the rat is smelling but when you believe the rat is taken outside of your room but the room can still be smelling of dead rats but the rat is not really in the room anymore. But so, but that room is now free of rats. But the room is smelling of dead rats. So, a person can look like a unbeliever and all that. But really, the sin is in his body. The rat is not really in the room anymore. Right? So, the sin is in the body. And the body will perish. And they will wake up to a new heavenly body. So, that's why you don't need to confess your sins. You confess your righteousness and all that. So...
6: excuse me um first of all just logically speaking (laughs) sin has consequences just logically speaking like if you lie you can turn to something that will turn to something that will turn to something that's number one number two if you now say this then Jesus should not give us the holy spirit to live inside of us. Just believe and be going. Mm-hmm. They are no okay. <laughs> then was the point of the fruits of the spirit. No, 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 sir. Such people can. Please. Sir. And then no, is a no for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please give uh, brush brother Jerry. All of you guys are not talking to you have say say
3: um, something. For the sake of anyone who may be listening online who still thinks that way, we, um, we should ask God for forgiveness of sins when we sin. Um, major lesson that we learned from 1 John chapter 1 is that when we ask that the Lord will forgive us, we are asking because we want Him to cleanse us from every unrighteousness. Interesting thing, today I was reading it in the Yoruba version. Hmm. And <laughs> so there are, there are two like, different translations. One's called the unrighteousness, I should do the untruthfulness. Another one calls it I <laughs> And I should, it. Mm. And ah. I should it means inconsistencies, <laughs> literally. So when you, forgive your, when you ask for forgiveness, you're asking the Lord to help you with your inconsistencies. It is not the initial forgiveness you received. That we are talking about here. The one that brought into the family of God. We are talking about all that. You are doing something wrong now. And you say that God forgive me. Why? Because he is faithful to purge you from your inconsistencies. Thank you.
1: See, listen to me. You will need cleansing. You, the God will be cleansing you. Do you hear know what I'm saying? After, let me not even get too excited. God will be cleansing you. He will keep cleansing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. God will keep cleansing you. When you do evil, you go to God and the Lord will cleanse you and forgive you. You don't say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You will just go to hell. Your heart will become hard. The other questions are
7: questions that... Yes. Sir, yeah. I, 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 I think this is not just an unacceptable difference. It is a, it is an anti, unacceptable difference. If I had <laughs> any other prefix to show the rate, the the the, the magnitude of, sorry, two negative and a positive, true. So it is an anti, acceptable difference. So I'm like at the end of the day, because there are some things that go to the root cause of the gospel, that go to the root um, um, chain of causation when it comes to our scientific reality on earth it goes to the um, metaphysical reality when it comes to uh, the order of solutions. Like, no, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to just, because it's it's linked to, it's linked to, it's it's literally linked to the open-theistic thing we talked about before. Because what you're trying to say by ab is that. Yes. (laughs) What I'm trying to say from the get-go is that, once you're saved, you are saved to sin no more. You know, you are you, the passing from death to life has no middle, middle, middle process. Mm-hmm. So, I, I and I think there's a lot of things that we forget from the way the, the Bible talks about how that those who he called he justified, those who he justified, I think he sanctified. I think there's a there's a whole golden chain of how the saved man is supposed to go from justification up onto so, yeah. glorification. The other problem I have with it is. It's it reeks of a very reductive, um, hermeneutic or ex, exegetical reading into scripture. Something happened yesterday. So, there was this famous John Newton quote, which I've never had a problem with in my life before. I must talk about it because it's pain in my chest. And John Newton said, if I ever get to heaven, there are three things I expect to see. Right? I expect to see uh, people who I never thought would be there. I expect to miss people who I thought would be there. And I expect to be surprised that even me, myself, I'm there and things like that. And people had a problem with the fact that the guy said, if I ever get to heaven. And I'm like, how are you supposed to read such a such a beautiful quote that will make you worship God? And thank God that you are even qualified to make that in the first place as honor an unassurance assurance issue. Right. And he reads, I don't know, there's a whole the, the whole body of, is the mindset. Yes. Is the problem. So there's there's this, there's this is even the mindset. So, so I remember because I remember being there, and I remember the issue being that. There's this reductive black or white reading. We read into the text. So if a saved man is saved, he cannot be a sinner, right? And if a sinner is a sinner, he cannot be a and things like that. And then you now look at your... say if a man is unrighteous, right, he cannot... So if a man is forgiven, he cannot ask for forgiveness, you know? And I'm like, the Bible does not give you a black or white. It's almost like sovereignty and agency. It's not black or white. It's not if man is free, God is not sovereign. If God is sovereign, man is not free. It is... Man is free and God is sovereign. Sorry. So you have to... God is sovereign and... Add, oh sorry, God is sovereign first. Sorry, mm-hmm. And man is free, right? So you have, to, you have to arrange your theology in a way that it does not injure the biblical text. Yeah. The same thing with forgiveness. If God says that... It, it, it baffles me. Hebrews 4 says that... Um, um, sorry. <laughs> Hebrews 4 says, talks about how we should boldly approach the throne of grace for mercy. Mm-hmm. And they are telling him there is a non-believer. That his will is bent towards and inclined towards sin. That will now approach the throne of grace for mercy. They me. I am already on the side of mercy. You're yeah. Yeah. You are a thief now. You know, draw a mercy side of you so you don't need to approach it anymore. It approaches you. You know, stuff like that. And what I think is, sorry if you are on the... I, I, I don't mean to sound very harsh, but I, it's, these things have real life consequences. Consequences. Oh, absolutely.
1: Real, life real,
7: life. real consequences. Abounding
1: consequences, yes, yes. it makes people evil workers, it makes people evil doers, it makes people that think they are Christians be acting yes. like yes. children of Satan. It's it's see anti in any of its pretenses is a completely
8: yes, yes now. So, um first of all, I want to say the belief is cannot. So what that means is that people that preach that preach that belief. Their intent is to deceive people.
0: People.
8: Yes. And for that, the, the, I found a constantly branded as heretics. Also, let me just read the scripture that Pastor Sheh read for me. The first time I came to TC, because I was almost on this side of the divide, but me, I didn't go fully because my father's house was not alarm. But let me just read it. Hebrews 3:12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, he's talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. But encourage one another daily, as, it is, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's disillusionedness. Sin can get to that point. And you now say people should not confess. So it means they can go on living anyhow and get to a point and say, Jesus Christ is no longer God. Like someone on Twitter, let me not stop him, but I've stopped him. So, okay, so sir. I
1: think this one we've overtrashed it. We were overtrashing it because the other time So, um, Kate, you just did the last comments. Thank
6: you. I've gathered my thoughts. The first thing is that if you believe this, then I feel like if you believe this, then the, maybe the gospel, and I'll still get that, the epistles, you don't need them anymore because the epistles are largely how, as a Christian, this is how you should live. So, first of all, it makes the Bible not even inherent, irrelevant. The second thing is that for you to appreciate salvation, you have to confirm that sin is a big deal. And then it now makes you feel entitled to God's mercy. And then, so Jesus does not have to die. You should just say, okay, I'll continue and open heaven for me, let me enter. And then you cannot believe, you taught us, sir, Papa. (laughs) 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 The tripartite anatomy. You can't say... I believe, then why is God giving us a new heart if it's not reflecting in your body and the way you behave?
1: Let me tell you how bad it is. It's so bad that it will even kill everything. It will kill your ability to worship. Because sin is, if God is, if your sin is not a big deal, how, what are you thanking God for? Especially if you don't have material things. Think about what are you thanking God for. Exactly. Do you understand? So what are you thanking God for? What are you worshipping God for? I mean, what are, So, please, let's not... Let's just... So, trust me. I know that it was a protestant impulse. I know that we're the ones that started this thing, right? We're the ones that started it when we did the protestant reformation. We know, right?
7: But we stopped it.
1: And anybody that wants to go because of grace into... Is your problem. Is your problem, here? Okay, so, Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism is the idea that... Christians ought to take... Now, now let me differentiate.
7: There's
1: kingdom takeover, there's Christian nationalism. Kingdom takeover is God wants you to have all, all the seven mountains of influence. So, it doesn't really matter whether the nation becomes better or not. Right? Basically, you just want to be like Joseph. You want to be prime minister. You want to be the richest man and everything. So, Christian nationalism is... Yes, exactly. So, um, kingdom takeover is King takeover is you want to be like Joseph, Daniel and Esther. You will be the big boy but in a rubbish country enjoying money, enjoying power and everything so that you can fund the gospel but the country is not necessarily changing. Christian nationalism on the other side is that you want the church the doctrine of Christ to control the society. That means, for example, the constitution will be determined by Christians and the Bible. So we want to make a law. The law should be Christian laws. So the Christians are the ones making the laws. Now, even Christian nationalism has two ways. Take it by force or by evangelism. But let's just use the one that everybody can agree with. Let's say something like, Christian nationalism is a case where we preach the gospel very well and most of us become Christians. And because most of us are Christians, we are now deciding how the nation should be. If a Christian insists that we must push for that, that we must make sure that our country's laws are made by Christians and all that. And the person believes that, no, this world we shouldn't really be worried about all those kinds of things. It's not our business. See, let's just do our best in this society and all that. If the person is your church and insists and is saying um, Christian nationalism, do you think it's it's an unacceptable difference that you can't worship together in the church? No, this is not about whether you agree with it or not. This is whether... If an someone is on the other side of it, whether it's an, or an unacceptable difference, I think. Please give her the mic. Who is holding the mic? Uh, okay. okay. I think there are two mics.
4: Quick, quick clarification on your definition. I think you are, you are being a little nice to Christian nationalism because they are not. Is not so um. What's the word? People don't have a choice. For me, it's, it's takeover of government mounting because it's a very deliberate act. On how they want to institutionalize some types of thinking that is inspired by Christianity. So let's be very clear on that one. If you, if you are taking over constitution, you are taking. You are not influencing. You are not praying it. You are not getting people born again to take over. You are, you are taking it over. No. And you are going to inform Mama, the institution spent,
7: using the laws spent of the I've almost nine months of this subject. It is not. I vehemently refuse to join with the Kingdom Takeover Seven if Mountains. Lie, no, 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 no no, is,
1: no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. I want to say something. Are you saying that the Christian nationalism is the same as Kingdom Takeover?
4: Of the government and constitution. Let's not use semantics. No, That's what now. people are saying.
1: No, no, no. It's not, not, not
4: taking Okay, over. let me ask a question. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So is that cover that is disturbing? Oh, yes. yeah, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, but I will still put it in my back pocket. Okay. You are saying that Christians... is not that getting people born again. It's that Christianity should influence. And influence is even still nice. Okay. Christianity should, to a large extent... Control how the constitution okay, so let me is framed. Let me say something here. Let me, okay, let me yeah. say something ah, here.
1: Let me say something here. There's a difference <laughs> between. So, it's not the same thing. Wait, see, wait, see, wait, 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 um, wait. So, the difference between Christian nationalism and Kingdom Takeover is that, for example, Christian nationalism is not just that a Christian is a president. If I Christian nationalism, the, Christian might not even be pres- the president might not even be a Christian, but that most of the senators are Christians and they make the laws according to Christian laws. Kingdom Takeover is that a Christian should become president so that he can make money and fund the gospel. Yes, but it is primarily about the person attaining to a certain status, even if things are not... For example, Kenog Tekova can admire the fact that the last VP was a Christian. Kenog Tekova will use that as a reference. A Christian nationalist will never take that as a reference. Like, that's rubbish, because Christian nationalism is... You understand. So that's the difference. Do you understand that? Anyway, the point is this. It's not a matter of, you know, the argument about the definition and all that. The point is, if people hold those beliefs, Christian nationalism first, right? Um, you know, is it a difference that you can have a son? So that, can, that means that, can you be in a church where Sami believe uh, believes in Christian nationalism and Glory believes, let's leave the world secular, let's leave the Nigerian state secular, we don't need to strive to change the constitution to Christian nationalism and all
7: that. Can both of them...
0: Okay, sorry. I,
7: I, it, I think it, it depends on the slant. Yeah, depends I think it's of, an acceptable. So if you're difference. if you're a Christian nationalist and then you're like uh you're like extreme, like racism and all that. Oh, okay. And, uh, okay. Yeah. So like there's that there's that slant, right? There's that, it, that slant. there's that slant. But there's the other part where even for the other side, if you are if you are um what's the word, pietist, you just want to recluse, like you don't want the church to have anything to do with and you just want to And So I'm like, it depends on the range of where you stand. I do think that if someone doesn't believe in Christian nationalism, of course, it's an acceptable difference. But, oh. yeah. okay. but Christian nationalism is not kingdom of takeover. Okay. Kingdom of takeover is an unacceptable difference. Oh,
1: yeah, wait, wait. So, now let's talk about now let's talk kingdom of takeover. Kingdom of takeover is Christians should strive to be the richest people, the most influential people, as a marker that God is with them.
7: But wait, you think
1: about it. What if someone says that it is my... It is... God's calling on my life.
0: Who mm,
1: should right. be coming down? Who should come down?
2: What if? Eh? Please let me give.
0: Sorry, I actually have something I wanted to say. I wanted to say Is that something.
2: Is that the kingdoms of this world become the
7: kingdoms of our God by believers taking places of influence? So, so yeah. So we. That's why I really agree a group passage. So it's like, we we'll go to the mountains, we we'll have enough power to influence people's decisions. This place okay. will not be like heaven. Jesus will come.
0: Sorry, I think no way, but...
7: I don't care about the, the definition. All i am saying is that that's not Christian. That's my own no. I'm okay, wait, that. so this is... Now, this, I want to ask this
1: question. So this is a slant inside of Kingdom Takeover. This is a slant inside of Kingdom Takeover doctrine. People who are not getting to those high places and not fulfilling purpose or their purpose is suboptimal. Yeah. You know, Christian nationalism is different. Christian nationalism can be all of us are poor, but we make the law. And it's fine. Like Puritans, all of us are poor, but we are the ones making the law and we're living our nation as a poor Christian nation. Kingdom takeover is we must be rich, we must be born and we must be on top. And sorry. if you're not getting to that level, um, there's something wrong with your grace.
0: Sorry, but, so, 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 I don't know, Sha-
1: Wait, wait, wait! Calm down, ah, calm down. I think. Wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Please let people are online. People are online. Wait, on.
0: First of all, I think I believe in Christian. I I must go. Sorry, I think I somehow accept Christian nationalism, but I also think it's unacceptable the reason why we're talking about this is acceptable difference or not. I think it's an acceptable difference. largely because I can understand why someone would think that, like KG pointed out rightfully, Christianity has logical consequences. If you sin, it has logical consequences. Equally, all the principles that the Bible adopts, you know, per honesty, virtues and everything, they are actually the logical way to live your life. Like, they're the good logical way to live your life. And equally, we can already see that some form of Christian nationalism has already been applied to our present world. The UN Charter is based on the principle of Imago Dei, like you actually pointed out to me that, the UN Charter is based on the principle of Imago Dei in that human beings have inherent value. We can see from people like Nietzsche, we can see from even something that Aristotle says about women, we can see from Darwin that ultimately, if it's not anchored on scripture, there is no, like man will not believe in value in human life. So I think Christian nationalism has its reasons and I think it's an acceptable difference, especially because it's already ultimately in application somewhere or another.
1: Now, kingdom takeover, if everybody is poor, if majority of... Okay, kingdom takeover... Look at this situation. If most of the people are poor and they are Christians, but the unbelievers are the ones that are rich, but the majority that are poor are the ones deciding the laws of the land, kingdom takeover would not be satisfied. Exactly. No, I'm giving a theoretical decision to to show the difference between the two. That kingdom takeover necessarily must have a portion of it that has to do with socioeconomic economic high status. It's, it's integral to it. Yeah, I get Give Give someone the mic now because people are online. People are online.
7: So, to be fair to the argument, but I, I don't think that's just, it's, it's almost like an unspoken thing with the doctrine. But the major idea is that there are, there are seven pillars of influence in the world, right? And because I've seen the book, I know the, I don't There are seven pillars of influence in the world. And then when Christians are the helm of, of affairs in each of these pillars, right, mm-hmm. that um, God is ultimately pleased, which I can get why people will say that it looks like a target of Christian nationalism. But the idea of Christian nationalism is, is just simple. It's not necessarily about influence. It's not an influence issue. Right? It's an issue of, but of course, it might be understated, but I'm, this will something like the, problem, the main idea of Christian nationalism is that God has a will for humanity, humanity and even as split up as nations. So, um, of course, it's also based on the practical idea that no, Christian, no nation that is neutral is truly neutral in itself, it's secular. Right? So, of course, there's a whole theological debate around that. But the point is, to be fair to the Seven, Seven Mountains' um, theology, there's a way a person can say it that will sound very, very similar to Christian nationalism. Good. So, but I refuse to go yeah, with that. Wait.
1: So, what we should do now is, I think what we should do is that we should defer judgment until we are sure that the person is talking about kingdom takeover as per materialism hidden, mammonism being dis- disguised as you want to make your own personal you want to become a billionaire you are claiming you're you are trying to put god as a proof of it you're trying to make a name for yourself or you know what christian i think we can i think what we should say is that we can defer judgment until we know what the person exactly is talking about um, Abi, yes. how does
2: that sound
6: okay so for kingdom takeover i'm not really sure what i think about christian nationalism because on surface level it seems like a good thing that a society will be Founded upon Christian values, and a lot of laws and whatnot follow in line with, shush, with that prince. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but for kingdom takeover is a no. Let me say why it's a no. First of all, it seems that it brings a top bottom kind of approach. Mm. That's number one. Number two, Christianity is for men to be saved and reconciled to God. So relax. Number three, in history, it, don't really, it doesn't really work that way. And it, like, it doesn't always end well. And in relation to the topic you are preaching, Papa, in this season, of purpose, all of us here now are Christians. Not all of us will take over. So does that mean because I have five and he has one? <laughs> does that mean that he's not a Christian? And he also... Men, or, it's not fulfilling God's yeah, purpose. or it's not fulfilling God's purpose. I think that men ought to be persuaded, not quest. And wherever you are, be a Christian, do the will of God for you. If that takes you to being the president, act like a Christian when you are president. But if you are going to be a pauper, act like a pauper where you are okay. and love God. Okay,
1: so now let me now say it like this. If a person insists that if you are not rich... You are not really fulfilling God's purpose for us. It's worshiping
6: Mammon. I cannot serve can can both in the same God church together? and Mammon. No, go to.
4: <laughs> Please add racism to that list as well, because Christian nationalists have that slant. That was... Also, add yes, add add this because we are say, what we are saying here is the why. we racism, absolutely. Yes, I said racism, yeah, because we are saying here that the why will betray their heart at the end of the yeah. day, right? Also, anybody that thinks on either, because they are the same, anybody that thinks... Anybody that thinks either that that is how to get people saved. Like, you know, there's also no, no, that... No, 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 no. Nobody meet, says no, Yes, anybody that maybe uses that as an excuse to not preach or things like that. Or so anybody that uses that... Um, another one that will be used is um, using it to fulfill prophecy in scripture to say that they are bringing it to bear, right? Like trying to fulfill one...
1: Yes, bringing Jesus... Please, okay. you people are. You are part oh of yeah, God. it's okay, it's okay. So, both racism and materialism are unacceptable differences. Yes. Right. Okay. So now let's go into one. time is almost gone and all that. So, if someone, if someone insists, if if a person preaches the message that Christians can marry unbelievers, can we worship together?
6: Anathema. Next.
1: Anathema. Everybody. Next. Okay. Oh, God
4: sent me to him to if, him a, if a
1: sister if a sister is wearing trousers and using attachments, is it unacceptable or not acceptable?
7: <laughs> <right>? <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs>
7: okay,
2: it's unacceptable. All right, because. okay. Um, I want to try his in this one
1: <laughs> laughing in the spirit.
2: Unacceptable difference. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should stop. Yeah, let's be serious. Yeah, you're on, serious. You're on the highway to the ball Laughing in spirits, is there an acceptable difference? No, it's not. I think it's an unacceptable. Sorry. <laughs> okay, actually, deferred judgment. Eh? Deferred judgment. Okay. So, ex- why, why do you want to defer judgment? The, what is the thing you are trying you, to you should, is it, probably a poor understanding of spiritual gifts. Mm. No, 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 no. no Defer judgment. Defer judgment. Defer judgment. He said defer judgment. Defer judgment.
1: So, if a person now insists that if you want to rejoice in the spirit, you must laugh like that or you should laugh like that, Can you worship with the person in the same church?
2: I will leave the church for them. I will go outside. So 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 actually, actually, I can I can because I think it's a thing of um, if the person does not have self-control, you can have (laughs) self-control. It depends on not self-control. You can have self-control and patience for the person to to come out of that. So can I say it like this? Can I say it like
1: this? It doesn't enjoy the gospel now yeah i honestly let's use our test wait so wait let me say this let me say this it depends on how the person arrives there if the person does violence to the scriptures to prove it that's where we have a problem now i don't think a person has to Not always if a person can bring doctrine from the air actually Exactly. You can actually just say it's a form of rejoicing. It doesn't have to be. It's an acceptable
6: difference.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ben Actually, and because there's also there's also another part of this. Honestly, right? If if a person, okay, there's the doctrinal part of it, which is a person tries to do violence to the scriptures to make it happen. Like I've told you guys many times time, my my example before. If a person does this, it's unacceptable. And what I mean is, once it's some time ago. The pastor did something whereby we are in church on Sunday morning and during the message, he, he, he got an expression to laugh in the Spirit and he told us to laugh, encouraged us to laugh, 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 but we didn't laugh. <laughs> so after the service, after the service, he now said, okay, I want to teach you guys something that you are missing, right? You guys don't know how to laugh, but you laugh. So he now opened the Bible that says that Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and he that sits in heaven shall laugh. And I said, so Christians, when they are rejoicing, must laugh. Laughing is proof that you have the Holy Spirit and all that. So he now said, we should start laughing. And we were there for one hour. And we laughed by force for one hour. I think that kind of thing is unacceptable. But if a person believes that laughing is a way of demonstrating the joy I have, right? A person who's not doing violence is an acceptable difference. I think so. I mean, like, I, let's let's people let's talk. I think it's an
3: acceptable difference. Amen. I would like to say that it's an acceptable difference. Why? I'm going to use your argument. You it is Steve. Now, <laughs> when we talk about charismatics, right, one of the things that do injury to charismatism is the um, lack of systematization. And so there are certain things that are purely experience-based. Yeah. And we cannot actually cancel each other based on those things. So, for example, this laughing matter, right? Now, if someone reads the Bible and sees that the Bible says that Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit, I would say that, okay, when we actually analyze the text, right, Jesus was overly, not overly, but you understand he was excited physically. He showed physically that he was excited, right? And you say that, oh, one of the ways we do that, well, I would, okay, so an example, some charismatics use would be, oh, if you win a million dollars, <laughs> how will you react? This,
1: this guy, is, this guy knows it. This guy, he <laughs> got it, he got it.
3: Are you going to just be looking? Uh, of course not. You are going to laugh. You are going to jump, right? So now, they now use another scripture that says that I rejoice at your word as one has found great treasure. Now, if I have found great treasure, how am I going to re- wait? Calm down, re- relax. If I find great treasure, how am I going to respond to great treasure? Am I going to be meow, or I am going to actually be excited, right? So, if they look at those scriptures, and someone honestly says that, oh, I have found riches in God's word, and the way I respond to it is to jump and shout yeah. and laugh, I don't think it's an unacceptable difference. It, does, it doesn't... Exactly. It does, not, it does not... See, I don't want us to be emotional about it. Yeah, let's not be emotional about it. If, we, if, if you're actually thinking about it logically, right, it's not something to be... To so anatomize actually, yeah. someone yeah. on. If you want to laugh, laugh. Don't force us to laugh. Yeah. Don't say, Shaye, the proof that you have the Holy Ghost is that, that laughing, laugh. is that you must <laughs> laugh. Don't say that to me. Yeah. But if you are laughing, because I were preaching a sermon and it it you in a way that, like, ah, so Jesus did it for us, and you rejoice and you laugh. It is good. Yeah, emotionalism good.
7: is part of Christianity. Es- 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 Sorry, choose your no, 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 pastor. No, my words shall be chosen very carefully with the with the precision of a surgical knife. Now, the beginning of this thing is that the truth is, at some point, right, you can't police emotionalism. And at that one, I've considered this two years ago. I be fine. Now, the problem is, for ecclesiological practice, we have to define how we worship God. So, I mean, if you're going to laugh, you, if you open your Bible and read it, maybe you read. Don't three sisters start laughing. <laughs> Who am I to tell you not to laugh? But I'm like, you're in service. Someone is preaching a sermon. And then next thing... <laughs> so worried. now, this is normal. i laughing. It's not disorderliness. No, that's my point. This but, is not disorderliness. But peace This is what I'm saying. This is what charismatics... This is what charismatics used to scam us. This is what charismatics used to... use to, 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 to No, no, no. Not necessarily, This is what charismatics used to, used to scam us every time. Because... preacher, Sorry. Expri- I'm not charismatic with you. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, wait, slash, listen, listen. Pastor, mm-hmm. if this, if of course, at the at the very um, base level, right, in terms of personal devotion, you can't police that and personal devotion, how we manage to do that. But if you are worshipping in church, I do think that there has to be uh, my, if somebody is seeking him, then you are not doing... Ooh. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Uh-huh. wait, wait. Uh-huh. So, this you?
1: Said, So hold on, hold on. So, that means this conversation is... It's not... So, wait, hold on. It's okay, it's okay. So, now, I think we understand now, right? Laughing in the spirit as per doing violence to scripture, forcing everybody to do it, and disorderliness or charismania is unacceptable, right? It's unacceptable. But the person um, rejoicing in God has inspired... No, no, no. That, that, that even breaks me. No, 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 no. You can't do that. No. you can't. No, you can't. Oh yeah, wait. Wait, 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 wait. 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 What about crying? What about crying?
8: It's
7: okay. Let me It's okay. It's okay. Oh
1: yeah, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. Sit down, sit down. Oh yeah, sit down, sit down. Yeah. Praise God. So, you know, we already talked about this as we started, that we are solar scriptura. So, we must bow down to God's word. So, um, yeah, if a person wants to laugh, as long as a person is not disorderly and disrupting the service, and all that, and it's within measure and all that, because if you begin to laugh and you're shouting, and you understand, we'll, we'll take you out. you say that laugh, you stop crying.
7: Like if I want to this job,
8: I No you Yes.
1: What This is a This is
8: This
1: is a student. This is a to is a I This is a student. to is a It's okay, During praise and worship. During praise and worship, and because you know it's not disorderly, it doesn't count as disorderliness because during praise and worship everybody's doing it. It doesn't count. During praise and worship. Yeah. And that that time that time was that time was made for it, so it's not disorderliness. Disorderliness is that we have a way that the program is supposed to go, right? And you are interrupting it and interrupting other people's own. It can. It can. No, no, no. Not just commanding. If a person is doing it disorderly, it's, it's, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. You can actually, dis- you can actually just as we hear now, if
8: Grace should start shouting, ah, 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 i start running up and now i everything when I'm preaching. I'll just give an example. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah. I have a question for the, for the charismatics that I want to laughing in the spirit. What? <laughs> 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 what what do you do with First Corinthians for I mean, first talk if Paul said this how you are going to speak in tongues in church? Yeah. That's how you should do it. Yeah, it's
1: okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay,
8: it's
1: okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's okay. Sit down, both of you sit down. It's okay, sit down. Now that's fine. Um
5: uh, yeah, we, we know now. You no,
8: know no, I mean the state of being ordered when it comes to the gift of the spirit. Wait, laughing is people classify laughing in spirit as part of you to People
1: classify the same where it talks now. It's not for no reason. It's not for no reason. You can't say it's for no reason. It's not for no reason. No, 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 no. If a person, if a person wants to laugh, you are not supposed to um, what they call it. Stop the person. But as long as it's not disorderly.
7: The
1: moment you start laughing too much, I actually reserve the right to tell you that you should please help the brother to laugh outside when it's calmed down. But if a person is laughing, I don't, I don't think. It's a matter of order. Orderliness is the, is the issue. So I think if you have a brother in church, laugh too much decides you, and I think you can go to church with the person and worship with the person. I don't think it's an issue. Please give the mic. We need to close. We are getting late.
6: In church, is because like, there is a time created for that, and then when somebody is laughing in church, that you are basically breaking the program. Anything that the Holy Spirit cannot like dictate how he wants the service to go, when you already have your own program.
1: And, but the thing is that the Holy Spirit dictates it with the way we start set the program. program the Holy Spirit dictates when we organize the program. When we do the program of the service, the Holy Spirit is helping us organize it.
7: <laughs> yes. <laughs> eh?
1: that's, a, that's an interesting question. <laughs>
7: that's an interesting question.
5: <laughs>
1: no. But wait, but wait. But remember, see, the Holy Spirit cannot take over a program to make it disorderly, if that's your question.
6: Yeah, but not disorderly, but like if everybody's no, no. laughing, it's wait, not orderly. Wait. No. If you're...
1: I get what you're saying. Wait, 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 wait. Listen. Wait. Listen. Wait.
6: Because I've been in meetings. I'm asking because I've been in meetings. I, I when, like, there's a special, like, 10-minute slot. I've been in meetings where there's a 10-minute slot for laughing in Spirit. And so when everybody's laughing, it's not disorderly.
1: Okay. And but...
6: Yeah.
1: Wait. Wait, but I want to say something. I want to say something. Hold on, Sam. Oh yeah, Sam, hold on. This thing you just described now is unacceptable. Do you know why? Because that means that the laughing in the spirit has gone beyond a person's subjective rejoicing. It's now something you're forcing people to do, which is unacceptable in itself. Do you understand now? It's unacceptable. You shouldn't gather people and say...
8: Hmm.
7: No. Yeah.
1: It's different now. The early we were not saying everybody must rababa When people tell you that they are creating time for laughing in the spirit, what they are telling you is everybody must laugh in the spirit Oh. Or do you mean time to. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, that's different. That's different. We yeah. are always rejoicing. I don't know about you. Praise God. So I think the last one. Guess what? This is the question. This is the question. Let's bring it back home to where we started from, right? Yes. Let's bring her back home to where we started from. The question is this Can a church that allows people to laugh only subjectively? In their own self, when they never want to laugh and all that, and a church of people that believe that when you are rejoicing in the spirit, you should laugh, you must laugh. Can both of them come together to worship? Yeah, it's unacceptable. That's the question I want to ask. What's the question she asked? it does now. It does. When you are forcing people and mandating people, it's, it's, it's not just a matter of this thing. So, don't forget that the second standard that we use, yeah, you are injuring people's conscience. Like, my own conscience was injured in that event. My own conscience was injured. Ah. Question number one, the gospel of Christ. No, 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 no. no. We have six words now, no. even if one is not clear.
4: No, so the first one, how we always answered it is, most of those other things, like those heresies, had an implication to the gospel of yes, Christ. No. Yes, now. So, the, somebody that actually believes, someone that believes in rejoicing in the Spirit mm-hmm. versus someone that believes in it, but in private, doesn't have an... Not I don't in think, private.
1: Not in private. Like, only do it at home. But not disorderly. You can do it in church. you are laughing on your seat and all that. you are, dis- are not disorganizing not dis- the church. And then right the here. other option... I'm... So, this is the question. The question is, the people that bolster the doctrine, you don't do it by doing violence to the scriptures. That is where it makes, that's what makes it unacceptable. When you're forcing everybody to do it, or you're doing violence to the scripture to make people do it. That's the real question. If you're not doing any of that, and people are laughing in the spirit, even you yourself will be able to tell, that is an acceptable difference. Because you notice that even from day one, you will not be, misbehave anyhow. Number two, they will never make outrageous statements like the one that I went through, where they said everybody must sit and laugh for one hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry? Head covering. We can just do head covering, sharp, sharp now. It's head, but it's an acceptable difference I already know now. It's an acceptable difference as long as you're not doing injury to scriptures, you're not forcing people. Yeah. You're not disorderly. You're not disorderly. Are you guys talking like as if you've not been rejoicing before? <laughs> well, I mean, what did, uh, okay now this is where there's a problem <laughs> so um Cat ed, ed covering for example i think it's an acceptable difference now yes i think it's the same thing if you're not forced if people do if sorry um Bolu wants to say something. (laughs) Bolu wants to say something.
4: (laughs) something. Let us send you out of the church.
1: Oh yeah, Bolu wants to say something. Cover your head. (laughs) Bolu, go
6: ahead. I think just using... Just using the same logic that you gave, right? if you're not doing violence to the scriptures, um, then it becomes unacceptable, because with the head covering, there are folks that say, "Well, are you really saved?" Like someone was saying a oh, whole account, they entered a church, all the women that didn't have their head covers, they saw in the spirit, and they were like crows on. Their- <laughs> that's, a, that's an unacceptable
1: difference. You know, it's legalism.
6: Exactly, and to like the point you made around laughing when the guy said.
0: It shows it's proof of the Holy Spirit in me. Like,
6: oh yeah, it's okay, it's okay. Um, like this disorderliness now. To the yeah. point you had made earlier around laughing, um when the, the pastor
0: said, you know, it's proof of the Holy Spirit and writes like so if you aren't laughing, it doesn't mean like, it means that like, you don't have the Holy Spirit, Ergo, I was unacceptable same logic um, it's unacceptable. With, with covering
1: it's unacceptable. your hair. Yeah. It's unacceptable. Nobody nobody should have to go through that. Yeah.
6: Um I think um it, uh, apart from that extreme, I think it's an acceptable difference. And there's also the part where um because we don't cover our hair, I've noticed this thing when you go for evangelism, especially in villages, I think it comes to a point where you might have to actually like do it just because of, for their own sake.
8: Yes. Yes. yes.
6: So, so there's that part to yeah. so that.
1: Yeah. We... Exactly. 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 That's how a Christian, a mature Christian, that's how a mature Christian, We can have a scholarship service on on First Corinthians we, eleven. Maybe
4: we should start with that scholarship service because First Corinthians
1: eleven. We can do scholarship service on. Maybe this.
4: we should start with that scholarship service because when we when we addressed um, I'm trying to remember which of the ones we addressed last week where we said it depends on if the person is seeing it as a, from a legalistic point of view. I I, I can't remember. There was one we talked about. Was this skirt and Trouser? Yes, it was trousers where we say if. The reason why the person is covering their hair is the legalistic part. So I think maybe we need to first go to First Corinthians eleven because trials are that one we can say people are doing the law, Mm. right? But this is
1: yeah, but 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 I should say something though. I should say something though. In either case, in either case, First Corinthians eleven, the the argument that we can have on First Corinthians eleven is what should we do? At the end of the day, right? We cannot say that people who don't cover their hair will not go to heaven, or something like that. So that's where there's a difference, right? So the conversation will be something that's like propriety. What is proper for worship for female people and all that? And we can look at that and everything. So we can we can do special service to just look at that. But in either case, the truth is that there is no scenario where we can say that covering hair can rob a person of their salvation, which is um, inappropriate. So that makes it, yeah. So. Do you have any final comments?
3: Yeah, I just wanted to add perspective. Yeah. But I'm not saying anything, I'm not making any conclusions. So I'm just adding perspective. So I, one of the things that people usually use to judge is, is cultural um, differences, the culture of that time and now. But the problem with that argument is that, it says that women should, married women should cover their hair as a symbol of authority, mm-hmm. right? and says that they are doing it because of the angels. Now, that does not sound like cultural. a cultural thing. So it's a thing that actually, we actually need to sit down. I'm, again, I am not making any conclusions. My wife, I am not making any conclusions. <laughs> so <I'm, laughs> but it's a thing that we actually need to sit down, right? And actually think about yeah. this thing. Is not? I don't think it's a cultural Trust question. Trust me,
1: scholars up. and theologians have, so we can look at all the different looks, um, views of it. And everything so everybody orthodox guys theologians have their own view every even among the other people different everybody has we can take a look at it but one thing i can be sure of is that covering here will not rub anybody to have.
7: mo yes most question okay it, um, it's about <laughs> uh, if um between ecumenist christians and non-ecumenist christians sorry ec- ecumenist just ecumenism the word it just simply means if um, a Christian who believes that denominations are not barriers to, most um, uh, of word fellowship, right and stuff like that. So well, kind of what we're talking about. Yes. So Mo is saying that if somebody is an ecumenist and if somebody is not an ecumenist, should that be is that an acceptable difference or
1: not? No. So I, uh, no, depends on what you mean by ecumenist. Are you saying that everybody that just looks Christian is part of the church?
7: No, he's saying that in terms of denomination, so like a Baptist, uh, like so... Um, but we need like, to know that there are Christian churches. Yes, but for example, like in the 90s, there was this, okay, no, actually in the early 80s, there was this squabble between Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and J.I. Packer. Okay. right, Where J.I. Parker was ecumenist and Martin Lloyd-Jones was not. Okay. So J.I. Packer...
3: Okay, I understand better. Yes, exactly.
7: That. He was, he was, his traditional Anglican believed that we should have, that like, Christians and um, that Anglicans and everybody could remain together and then um Manuel Jose talks about how some of the differences go to straight to the root of the gospel, and then later it spilled into the 90s, where even jay pakistan started talking about the Protestant and uh, Catholic meeting. I think that's where we finally agreed on sola fide, right? And then that's where spoke got on the table and was fighting everybody.
1: Yeah, As so happened. I I don't think being ecumenist, ecumenist, it's a humanist versus not a humanist is 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 an unacceptable difference. I think if you have a very large heart. And you are generally, if have got to you a very large heart, right? And you can see how all of us that believe in historical Christianity, again, if you can see how all of us that believe in historical Christianity are all brothers and sisters and you find it easy to worship together and everything, I don't think it's a problem for some people that would like to stay in a very more familiar family household where they are actually Christians, but our own ecclesiology is just a little bit different because we like our own ecclesiology is suited to our context, to our background, and so I'd rather just stay with what I want and everything and all that. But because part of the things that causes denomination difference is differences in articulation, right? It's very in articulation. The Catholic is not saying that, the Eastern Orthodox and Catholic is not saying that you can be saved outside of faith, but he's saying that faith necessarily comes with works. So I would say it as faith and works. But the Protestant said, don't say and works, because if you say and works, you are suggesting to the person that is clinical. Do you
7: understand? He says, he says should so, every Christian... Be an ecumenist. A what? Mo is asking. Should every Christian be an ecumenist?
1: Should. <sighs> mm. Should. Ah. I need to think about this one. Let me not answer in a hurry. I need to. See, I need to. I need to think in a hurry. I need to think about it. Okay, I think we are good. We've already taken time. Taking a lot of time. So, are we we good? So, I think we've had a good conversation, right? So, this is supposed to make us better, more competent at at defending the gospel. So, matters that you know that this is not right, you don't make excuses for people. If something is not right, right, make sure you get the person aside and correct the person in love. And love does not mean snowflake. It means doing what is best for the person. So, if you have to be tough, be tough. If you have to be gentle, be gentle. But just make sure that you help the person understand. Right? If are some matters that are a little bit more de- difficult that you have to look beyond the surface to find out exactly what is informing that articulation. And so you want to know whether that's whether what is at the root of it is what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Defer, take time, talk to the person to get to the root of the matter. And if something is actually unacceptable, difference it's not a matter of what you find iffy or yuck or ew. What are you guys doing? We don't do that around here, it doesn't matter. If it's an acceptable difference, you have to let it be an acceptable difference. Church, are we together? Are we all understood? So, your feelings are... Your feelings are... no. I'm talking about unacceptable differences. Your feelings are not valid. Yeah, unacceptable difference. If a person wants to eat meat and you don't like meat, that's your problem. If a person wants to worship on Saturday and you don't worship on Saturday, that's your problem. If the person does not want to eat food offered to idols, but you are a bad guy, you can eat food offered. You, your feelings are not valid. So Paul says I would not do anything that would injure my brother's faith for the sake of my own comfort. So we we're talking about acceptable differences, like with all the things we've analyzed, if something is an acceptable difference, your feelings are not valid. Amen? So let's bow down our heads and let's
3: thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.